Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Live from Sherm Talent, a show dedicated to the story that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. We're pulling back the curtain and asking the hard questions. It's what we do. It's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tinkup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Juan on from Human Intelligence, and we'll be learning about the business case or the use case that his prospects and customers used for human intelligence. So, Juan, would you please introduce yourself and Human Intelligence? Hi there. Thanks so much. My name is Juan Betancourt, and I am the CEO and founder of Human Intelligence, the culture software. We help companies measure, manage, and hire for culture. Several uses of psychometrics throughout an organization from uh, hiring to onboarding to leadership, uh, culture transformation, um, career mobility, uh, communication and collaboration for remote work world. So if you can infuse psychometrics into everything you do in your workflows through all your current systems, you can actually get the value that has been missing from psychometrics for the last 50 years. So does it act as an overlay to the systems that they already have? Yeah, so imagine you open up an email, you're writing an email to somebody, you don't have time to call a consultant to do the 12-hour workshop. Well, now you just click on that person's name and up pops how similar they are to you, zero to 100, like you're 20% similar. Here are the two biggest differences and here's what not to do or to do when you write this email. You go into a calendar invite like you know, or Microsoft Teams, it tells you the culture of the meeting. For the first time ever, you're getting emotional intelligence infused to 10,000 people, like a Coca-Cola, in one day. They gave the assessment link to 10,000 people on a Monday, and on Tuesday you had 10,000 people across the enterprise understanding each other better, communicating better, collaborating better. It is the most transformative collaboration and culture platform in the world. What, what I love about that is it's, as you learn about the company's DNA, you can then put that on the front end to help people in terms of recruiting to figure out who's going to work out and who does not going to work out. You've nailed it, right? So imagine a glass store that actually uses data, not a bunch of people complaining and then the company's paying people to say they're cheerleaders. The, the actual real culture of a company can now be shown on a website with data um, that, that is not just for the company, but for every division. Imagine sales. The culture of a sales organization at Coca-Cola is very different than the marketing team, right. very different than the finance team. We're the first company to have visual representations and insights for not only employees, but like you just pointed out, for hiring so that people can actually go work at companies in roles that fits with what they want. And, and so there's you know less turnover, more engagement, and, and really every, every soul at a company will vibrate and resonate higher in their jobs with a tool like this. I love that. So a lot of CEOs uh, and founders have struggled during the pandemic to de- de- describe culture to employees and, uh, and, to, and to candidates because at least pre-pandemic, culture was the office, or at least seen that way. It was probably never the office, but we kind of used it as a proxy. Um, so what, when you obviously you, you deal with a lot of customers, a lot of uh, founders as well, how do you how do you kind of get them to reframe their mind around what is and isn't culture? Yeah, and so as horrible as COVID has been for the world, COVID's been great for certain things. One of them is teaching leaders that A, there is not one culture, and B, the thing they have on their T-shirts, coffee mugs, and websites that they think they can set it and forget it for 10 years is crazy because on March 20th, 20, March of 2020, every company in the world, large Fortune 500 down to small mom and pops, every culture in the world changed, and if you couldn't adapt, 
your culture to this new strategy of working remote, of having to meet clients in a distance, being more self-starter, not being so stuck on structure, you would fail. And so it was wonderful for us because we were beating a dead horse before COVID, trying to tell companies, you need to measure your culture. And it does change every year when you do your objectives, your goals, and your strategy. If you don't change your culture with that, at every level of the organization, you will fail. They thought, well, wait a second, we printed 5,000 t-shirts. How, does, how can our culture change? They got it through COVID. And so co culture is not the physical office. It's not the benefits you give employees. It's not an, a temperament survey asking people if they're happy or sad. You can have 100% people really happy because you're giving them the greatest benefits in the world and the company could be failing going out of business. Culture is very simple. It's the same definition that Deloitte, PwC, and Accenture define it as. And these people have a lot of money that they've been spending for 50 years. It is the behaviors of your people, the motivators of your people, and the work styles. BMW, very easy to remember, and we're the first company to build an assessment and platform to measure that quickly at an enterprise level, at scale, and then take all those inputs, outputs and insights and infuse it into all the workflows of a company so you're actually getting insights every single day as an employee, as a leader, on how to manage a company, how to manage a team for an intentional strategy and an intentional culture that supports it. So let's geek out a little bit on psychometrics. How did you first kind of go down the path of creating the assessment and how did you validate it? And obviously uh, the amount of data that you're sitting on now, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be helpful to kind of continue to revalidate it. So tell us a little bit about your, your journey. Yeah, so when I was an undergrad at Harvard University, I loved, I went to major in psychology and I loved learning about people. And you know, I was into astrology and I'm a, I'm a Pisces, if anybody out there knows what that means. And I was always fascinated trying to find a connection with data to astrology, right? And people thought I was crazy. Like, why would you do that? You're at Harvard. Then I went and worked at Procter & Gamble, went to then Wharton Business School, pretty good business school. And there I got to see startups and how they work. And I thought one day I'm gonna start a company to, to scale assessments and get rid of all the problems they have, right? The whole five hour workshop costs $10,000. You know, it, you do the workshop, it's really fun for everybody. And then a week later, the value is zero for a company. And then I went to work in software with Siebel Systems, you know, employee 100, one year later, we're 12,000 people, fastest growth in history. I think we went from 8 million to $3 billion in two years. So I saw that software can really transform companies and industries. And with that information, I also became a headhunter for uh, Hydrogen Struggles and Corn Ferry. So I was a partner, youngest partner at Hydric, ran my own search firm for 15 years um, and became really good at matching people. And I thought, if I can take all this world's experience and build a, find the world's best assessment that measures enough things, because just behaviorals is not enough. So right. just predictive index um, or Harvard or uh, DISC or strength, Clifton strengths, that's not enough. That's just behaviors. We do that plus motivators, Hogan, Lominger, right. some SHL tools plus work styles, because right. you can have two people have the same desk or the two people the same Hogan, one miserable, one happy, because of what's the environment take energy or giving me energy. So I found a guy um, who created an assessment 30 years ago, validated it every year. So it's technically validated on every question, every, every three years with thousands of people. And I bought it from him and I built a software company, a software platform around that science. And it is EEOC compliant. You can use it for recruiting. You can use it for employees. Um, you know, we have co companies, uh, clients like Coca-Cola, Lyft, Bank of the West, um, Dollar General. I just won uh, top HR tech influencer. Um, you know, the only software company under $10 billion on it, right? There's no other assessment tools on that list. I'm, I think I'm the only Hispanic on the list of hundred people as well. Um, and it's definitely not because of these, this charm, good looks in my voice. Um, it's because we have created like uh, our board member, Ed Renzi, former CEO of McDonald's. He said there's quote unquote, 17 year CEO of McDonald's. There's not been a greater innovation in HR since the resume in terms of our product. So workflow for those that are listening, because a lot of people will think of assessments in a historical sense. 
that you put it in a place like in the in recruiting you put it in this one spot whether it funnel or you do it in leadership for succession planning or you do it somewhere else this is continuous yes the whole life cycle of the candidate through employee to even exiting to find outplacement right what would be alumni at that point alumni yes yeah, yeah. i love that so i want to get into the favorite part of the demo when you get to show human intelligence to somebody that's never seen it before uh, as a prospect or a customer or just somebody you want to show them the software what's your favorite part of the demo that's a great question i do a lot of these i've never been asked that um there is the moment where we get beyond the explaining what the assessment measures because people have an idea of what an assessment is right and we get to the team culture mappings where you can show a team culture and how the customer service department might be very different than the marketing department. We show them the demo where you have all the top performers in a sales organization and the lowest performers, and you clearly see what explains performance. I get to see the light bulb go off in their minds, and literally they look at me and they say, this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. How come I never heard about you before? Are there any other companies that do what you do? I've never seen this. I mean, we... We literally were, were demoing the, the chief culture officer of IBM. And he literally looked after the 20 minutes of the demos, just the highlights. He goes, this is the most transformational HR platform over time. And then we also had the, uh, the most senior practice manager of Accenture, okay? she has like 5,000 people in our group, for, all, for culture and leadership. Okay? She now wants to like, use our tool for going to market for all of Accenture's clients worldwide. That is finance. Well, first of all, it's validating both uh, on the IBM. Make, yeah, after long years of work. <laughs> right, right, right. It's just the overnight success. Yeah, right. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is one thing that's challenging though for us is when you talk culture, people think it's surveys like culture amp. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so tiny pulse, whatever. Tiny pulse, right? And so we're we go we talk to our blue in the face with a deck or just conversationally, right. and people never get it. The right. only way people understand the power of what we're doing is when they just see it for five minutes. So you've talked about chief culture officer and uh, whether or not we like it or not, culture has been associated with HR. Like I think thrown at the feet of HR at, and on some level. Who owns culture, uh, not just theoretically, but who owns the software? So who should be actually buying human intelligence and who's in their daily learning what we're learning in human intelligence? Great question. Yes, HR has always, quote, owned culture because nobody else wanted to touch it. Um, and there was no data behind it. And so it's just kind of sat there and it's been that whole coffee mug t-shirt thing, you right. know, um, at engagement surveys. However, culture is different than management. And if you look at management, it's not owned by HR. It's not like right. HR has these organizational behavior people. Okay, we're going to put the management system in the company. Every leader has to be a great manager. Everyone, every function, management is important. One day, through companies like Human Intelligence, culture will supersede every group, just like management. And every leader of every team has to be able to answer the question, hey, leader, you have 10 employees in any part of the company. What's your team culture? Because if they cannot answer the question, what's your team culture? How are they optimizing performance, collaboration, and aligning culture to strategy and the strengths of the team and the weaknesses? We are now finally getting some innovative clients. We're still crossing the chasm with a lot of this. We are getting clients to understand that culture is not just an HR thing. And so we have a feature in our platform, actually, where the main users, it's not like applicant tracking systems where it's only like, you know, ATS employees, like the recruiters at a company use it. 
All employees are using our tool for better collaboration, but leaders specifically all are gonna become the stewards of culture throughout a company, because that's where the rubber hits the road at all success, middle management. I think the, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the unit of success of a company is not gonna be management, CEOs, not gonna be the individual, it's gonna be teams. Okay, and so we have a company and a platform that lets each te uh, team leader, I call it microdosing culture or snacking, where the platform every week for the weekly meeting gives them a 10 minute kind of like just, it walks them through, hey, here's the strategy you have, here's your team culture, what you wanna be, here are two things you talk about in your team meeting today on how your team does or does not support the culture. And it pulls out people's names based on where they are. And it's a really neat thing because the leader, all he has to do or she has to do is read these questions and have a discussion around it. And they can do it weekly, they can do it monthly, but it's really an ongoing discussion of culture at every team to see if the culture supports the strategy of that group. I love this. So let's ask a couple of recruiting questions. Uh, being able to understand the DNA of what works for those specific teams. So let's say you, you mentioned sales. We're hiring someone in sales for New York or whatever. And so we have an understanding of what that DNA is. Now this is going to kind of get into diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, equality. Do we bring in somebody that's different from us? Or do we bring in somebody that's like us? And I, I know there's no perfect answer to that. but I'm, I love your question. Um, on the extreme, do you clone what works already? Right. Or do you culture add and do the extreme opposite for diversity of thought? Right. Our platform allows every company and every leader to do either extreme or anywhere in the middle and anything in between. And at any company, you actually want some of both. If you have a sales force and you have a thousand employees and there's 200 that are you know the superstars, 500 that are average and about 300 or whatever is left are right. failing, our tool will tell you why the high performers are performing. And you know what? Most CEOs or leaders of sales are going to want to just clone those high performers. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. it. It helps employees where they don't come in and get fired a year later. Right. It helps employees that come succeed. And it helps the company and everybody. It's a win-win-win. However, and, and that's the same for like a cashier register or Walmart, et cetera. There's certain role, and by unfortunately, it usually goes by uh, income. So hourly wage is usually you want to clone what works. You don't want to call center agents all thinking uniquely and being diverse in their thinking and doing different things. You want call center agents to, to kind of just do exactly what you want them to do. On the other extreme, for any cross-functional team, like, like Accenture, PwC, Deloitte, the last thing you'd ever want to solve problems, complex problems for clients, is to have everybody like the partner who picked everybody on the team because they like them. And that's a big problem consulting. You pick people you like working with, but that does not lead to diversity of thought. So for those teams and for uh, like a Coca-Cola at their headquarters where you're working cross-functionally or where I worked at Procter & Gamble, a lot of cross-functional work, you wanna guarantee diversity of thought, okay? Which supersedes diversity of race and religion. But you can have a team right. that's a white person, a black person, Hispanic, Asian, um, you know, a, a, you know uh, uh, um, LGBTQ, all that, and they all think exactly like they're all data driven. They're all really unique in their thinking. They love people with great ideas. But then where's the structure of the process and proven methods? That team is going to fail. Right. And so we allow companies to either clone or do culture ad. And it really depends on what the strategy of the company is and what the data shows that our tool also uh, you know, brings to the top. Does it currently or do you see it in the future making a recommendation? Yeah. So with AI in the future, we will start making recommendations. Yeah. We do that today for 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 cloning, right. they say we want to reproduce our sales team. Yeah. And then for teams that want to um, uh, guarantee 
filling in gaps where they don't have people, it right. already does that. Now, the more complex one is where a team leader, we have a little tool where it takes 10 minutes, they can write what the, they can click some boxes, what the culture, what the strategy is for that team. We want to be much more decisive um, or, or uh, we want to be a, a, a company or a team that's much more decisive, that uh, people work as a belonging group, and we use data. They click what they want as the culture that will support their strategy for this year. And the system then tells them, okay, well, then now when you hire, you need these three extra people or these areas to fill in. So the tool is doing that, but that middle, it does take something from the leader to, to help bring to the, that solution. And, and over time, it's just going to get smarter and yes. smarter. Yes, and with time, it'll get smarter. And we'll, we'll, with enough data, I mean, eventually every company in the world will use this. I mean, the whole category is going to be called culture as a service. Right. There, it doesn't even exist today, right. right? People don't know to look on Google. Let me go look for a culture as a service product or right. a culture, an agile culture management product. Like it, it, they're not thinking that way, right? Um, but one day it will be that way. And, and you know, everyone will know that a tool like this um, works. And so we'll have data from every industry and we'll be able to tell companies, look, if you do uh, manufacturing for consumer product goods in the Northeast, here are the cultures of the top three performing companies. We won't tell you which is which, but, right. but, but you should want to know what works. And maybe you say, I don't want to do that. I want to do it differently. But for the first time, we're exposing data around something that was all around temperament surveys if people are happy or sad. I mean, it's crazy to me. Yeah, the little mood ring. The little mood the ring, ring, like, okay, great. So yeah. Smiley face. Yeah. Is that smiley face because uh, you just felt like hitting the smiley face? Or Literally. Is there any, any intent? Or? It, it's like I saw, uh, so Microsoft and Apple, you couldn't find two companies with different culture. Their products, their stores, when they both had stores, right? They both do an engagement survey every year, and I just laugh so hard. Um, you basically have, um, I'm not sure if it was Perceptics or if it's uh, Glint or if it's um, any, or Coltramp, whatever, whatever it is, or, um, or Qualtrics, but they have the same engagement survey, and it shows that 70% of the employees are super engaged, super happy, 20%, uh, it's a job, and 10% are not happy at all. They thought they'd get more free product, whatever it is, or they hate their boss, and they have the exact same results, enterprise-wide, as engaged, literally the same results but completely different companies. So it just shows you that these engagement surveys, it's a lot of energy, a lot of work, but it's not really leading to, do we have the right people to deliver on our strategy? Right. We do that. I love that. So uh, a couple last things. One is buying questions. Uh, things that you love hearing from practitioners where you just you can just tell they get it. Or maybe they, you can just tell that they want something like this. They want culture as a service. They've always wanted it. They didn't know they didn't. They didn't know that it was out there. And what are the questions or some of the things that kind of you love hearing from practitioners? Yeah. There's two really important ones. One is your tool validated. Is it real science? Yep. Or is like Koru, who raised $100 million, went out of business a year later because basically it really didn't predict anything because right. it was you know hiring on grit does not work actually. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's not a validated science. That right. sounds really cool and it's really simple and fun. And they have all the latest VC firms. So is your tool validated with science? And so any practitioner out there, whether they know about these tools or not, should ask the question and get the technical validation manual from the company um, if, if that tool is validated. That's the first one and it's important. Um, the second one that I know that they get it is um, can employees take it every year? And it's brilliant because those people realize that humans vibrate like energy and you're not born static and you can never change, okay? LeBron James wasn't born with two, a right hand and a left hand. He was born being very right-handed, just like someone could be born psychometrically being very decisive, 
but great leaders and great employees learn how to be the other side, just like great actors learn how to be drama to comedy. And so like that, every employee should flex, and you should know your strengths and your weaknesses and develop those weaknesses like a left hand in basketball or a left foot in soccer. Um, and so the leaders and the practitioners ask me, can they take it every year? Because we know our employees change, and we know that the vibration of a molecule called a soul changes in terms of the behaviors of that soul when they work with a new team. Six months later, their behaviors change. Even people's motivators or values change when they work with a team. We're the first company to show that with data. And of course, work styles change. Now, do they change drastically from 40 to 50? No, but between 20 and 30, a lot. 30, you know, you, you, you leave a job at 30, we work for 10 years at a company, and you go to a new company at 32, you're gonna see major changes depending on how different that company is. So that question is one of the most insightful questions um, that real practitioners understand the humans at their company. It's, it's really wonderful because uh, not only do they change or can they change, but they want the frequency, they wanna understand kind of a finger on the pulse how it's changing. So yes. they can understand that BMW and what to do and how it impacts yes. them. And, and by the way, and then a leader who knows that also knows that they can then guide their company, right. division by division, team by team, through all the changes in strategy. So whether it's COVID this, this decade, or a new competitor that makes you have to change all your products from being 10 million to 1 million, different frequency of selling, more volume, your people need to be able to change for that. And so, you know, adaptability and being agile as humans, not just management style, but culturally, right. is the future of culture. Drops mic, walks off stage. One, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the Use Case Podcast. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.